We thank you for uh, sharing that gift of music with us this morning. Um, as we approach to hear God's word and hear a lesson from scripture, let's first pause and pray for God to open our hearts and minds. Lord our God, you are the light of the world. Your son, Jesus Christ, came to chase away all the darkness. Thank you. We pray this morning that, that you would be a light to us that you would chase away the darkness that might be within us or surrounding us this morning, and that your light and your warmth might steady our hearts and minds and all of us so that we can hear your gracious word, your truthful word for us this morning. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A reading from Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a young calf and Siron like a wild young ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire the voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadash. The voice of the Lord causes the oaks to swirl and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, all say, glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people May the Lord bless his people with peace. This is word of the Lord. Thank you, Amanda. So right now at Linwood, we're in a season of creation, meaning that we take four weeks to lift up God as gracious and almighty creator who made the heavens and the earth and everything that fills it. And we celebrate the beauty around us and within all of creation. And this week, we, we focus on storms, called Storm Sunday. Um, and so we heard a reading just now from Psalm 29. Psalms are the prayer book or the song book of scripture of God's people. And you heard the words about God, God's voice shaking the trees and bending the trees. It was this very vivid, wonderful, beautiful picture. And all, all week, it, it brought to mind, for me, the, the sense of, or the thoughts of being in a storm or looking at storms. I can remember when my mom, when, when I was younger, would call myself and my three sisters out onto the porch. She'd be like, 
kids, come look at this. And we'd watch a storm roll in. Have you ever, ever seen that? It's beautiful and wonderful seeing the lightning and its spine kind of chase across the sky and the peals of thunder afterward. And it's wonderful because it's a nice, like, safe awning to be underneath. And, you know, if it did get windy or a little bit dangerous, we could just go inside. But it, it's wonderful because you can really sense the power of something greater than yourself, right? And it kind of, in some ways, in the same way we can climb a mountain, see the vastness of creation, um, we can glimpse the power and might in some way of God who's so much larger and so much bigger than us in this world. So it's wonderful to watch a storm. But it's a completely different experience to be in a storm, right? <laughs> Maybe if you're driving or you're camping or just whatever. To be in a storm is something different. And I want to share with you a little tale of when I was in a storm. It actually happened two Christmases ago. Myself and Amos, my pup, <laughs> who is then only 13 weeks, we, we got in the car and started driving to Michigan which is normally about a nine, nine and a half um, hour drive cut through Canada. But this day, we, we couldn't cut through Canada because my passport had expired. <laughs> and so we had to go around the lake. And all was going well. I was really grateful for my symmetrical all-wheel drive in my Subaru. Um, and, then, and then I hit Erie, Pennsylvania. <laughs> and this is when it had just a crazy amount of snow dumped down it. Um, like couple of feet in a matter of, of 12 hours or so. And I remember driving, and it, it's, it's becoming like this two-lane highway to this one-way road where it seems like I couldn't even see five feet in front of me. And I was just following the light glow of the brake lights. And it was really scary. And it got even more scary when they decided to shut down the highway. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been on the highway when it's got shut down, but it's not a fun thing. And I had this 13-week-old pup. I'm wondering when he has to go to the bathroom, all these things. So um, shut down, and I'm wondering, like, how am I going to make it through? How am I going to feed him? I don't have any candles to keep us warm. What are we going to do? So this fear is rising up in me, right? And at this point, I'm doubting if I'm going to make it because I turn on the radio, and they say it's just going to keep dumping buckets of snow, Right? So this fear for my life and this doubt about how I'm going to make it through is just coming up, and it's scaring me. Eventually, I was reminded that US-20 runs close to the lake, but all the way to Oregon. I was like, ah, I bet you I can make it around the highway if I get to 20. So I did, and I ended up driving 30 miles an hour for like 40 miles in a snowstorm and made it through past Erie, Pennsylvania, and on to where I was. And I left at 7 in the morning, got in at like 2.30. <laughs> It was crazy. The experience of being in a storm can be frightful and bring up all these emotions, right? And the reason why I bring this up is because I think sometimes the physical storms of life that we might get caught in can, can be an image or metaphor or sometimes feel like other storms of life that we get caught in. Storms of circumstance where something happens and it's bad, it's horrible, it's wrong, it doesn't feel good for whatever reason. Maybe somebody's hurt you or coming at you and attacking you or maybe it's just the reality of living in a broken world. And so there's the storms of circumstance. Or maybe we're in the storm of, of self-infliction. 
where we've done something wrong and we're just living in the consequences of what we've done, right? And the experience is, how am I going to make it through? What's the loss and what's the way forward? These feelings of fear and doubt gripping us, right? It's a common experience. And, and so today I want to kind of focus on that and want to think about um, how, how we can move through that and understand the storm and navigate that. And I think that we'll find that God is with us all the way um, through. And the, the thing that I want to do is focus on the life of a guy named David. You might have heard of David. David, um, I remember a couple Easter's ago, uh, Ken drew a picture of David and Goliath and gave Goliath a too short a skirt um, and had to, like, you know, paint a longer skirt upon him at Easter. Uh, images in my head. Anyway, uh, thank you, Ken. So, David, he's this king and this hero, but uh, the reason why I love Scripture and why I love studying Scripture is because the deeper we get into Scripture, the more complex these characters are. And the more we realize that there's a reflection of us in them in our life that we can learn from. And I think that as we take a look at the storms of David's life, we'll be able to see the way in which he took refuge in God. And God was a stronghold and help and strength and peace. So, first, I want to direct us in our time together with using psalms. And the first psalm I want to look at is Psalm 71. This psalm comes at the very end of his life. He's an old man, and he's being chased by his son out of his kingdom, and, and he prays this prayer. And he says this, In you, Lord, this is Psalm 71, In you, Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from my birth, and it was you who took me from my mother's womb. And my praise is continually of you. So David in this, at the end of his life, is naming a few things. He's, he's naming God as this refuge. He's naming the danger that's gripping him. He's naming praises to God and naming that God will be a help to see him through. And he's learned this. And as from, from days of his youth and through different experiences. And so these experiences come through two storms, storms of circumstance and the storms of self-infliction. And I want to focus on those. So the storm of, self um, of circumstance. David, a um, little backstory to David. David, and you might notice some parallels here to Jesus. He was born as a shepherd boy. 12th in line, the last in line, the youngest of all, 12 brothers. And he was born in a town and lived in the town of Bethlehem. And at that time, Israel had a king. His name is Saul. And Saul was someone that God anointed as king and put him in a position of power. But Saul's heart and seeking after God and, and wanting to, to allow his life and rule to be directed by God, it just wasn't there. And so God chose another person to be raised up and become king. 
And this person was David. This ruddy little shepherd boy from this backwater town in Bethlehem. And so God sends this guy, this prophet Samuel, to go to uh, David's house and choose him and anoint him and say to him, you are going to be king of Israel. And so he's anointed, but he's just at a young age. He's got a lot of growing to do, David does. And David begins to grow, and and we might know the story of, of David the Goliath that happens in his young years, where he defeats the great warrior of the Philistines, the enemy of the Israelites. He defeats him and gains this renown. He gains this renown as he's accepted into the courts of Saul, and he plays the harp and the strings and plays them really well, quite similarly to Marion and Jackie this morning, you know, playing the strings. But for all of these good things, Saul becomes more and more and more jealous because he's still the enthroned king at this time. He just hates David. And so what he does is he seeks to kill him. But before Saul can kill David, David flees. And he runs away. And he runs and runs and runs into the wilderness, into these mountains, into these hills. And this is an important part because David takes up refuge in this cave, the cave of Adullam. And in this rock, in this hard space, he finds help. And he has this refuge, and he's strengthened and emboldened by this cover that he knows Saul can't find because it's taken David forever to find this cave. So he knows Saul won't find him. And so this gives him a sense of peace. And I think this rock and this cave and this place becomes a continuing theme throughout David's life. We heard him talk about the rock in Psalm 71 at the end of his life, right? But there's a psalm where he's in this cave when he's a young man running from Saul. And the psalm is Psalm 27, and I love this psalm. And I want to offer it to you because maybe you can tuck it away as a tool or a gift in your spiritual journey. Psalm 27 says this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? He's praying this in the dark cave. The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes will stumble and fall. And even when an army encamps against me, even then I will not fear And I will be confident. He's emboldened. And he's this this physical rock in this cave is becoming much more, right? And he's beginning to see how God is truly his help. And this rock that when he turns to God, it grounds him in solid footing so he can never be washed away or moved by whatever is coming up against him. And that groundedness in God gives him a peace that surpasses an understanding that we can comprehend. And it gives him hope. He says, I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the the land of the living. There's something that happens that gives him the ability to move beyond his fear and his doubt to have hope. And I believe it is the knowledge that God is present and a help and a strength and a peace. And the amazing thing is that when he is grounded in this, 
it shapes him, and it gives him courage, and it, it kind of shapes his character to, again, for him to be able to do something that we might see as odd. And, and what do I mean by this? While he was hiding out in these caves, Saul entered into one. Saul found this cave and was entering, and Saul was relieving himself. <laughs> that is a funny part of the story. So Saul is going to the bathroom, and while Saul is going to the bathroom, David over here sneaks up on Saul and cuts off a part of his robe. And why does he do this? He does this to show Saul that he could have taken his life at that moment, and this whole thing would have been done, and he would have been king, and all things would have been well. But I think what happens when, he's, when David's grounded, and he knows God's strength, and he knows he's a refuge and a peace, is that David no longer has this tunnel vision that's just like, I need to get out of this space. But with God as rock, he's able to see a bigger picture. He's able to have compassion from Saul, who's running his own life into the ground. And he's able to, to see the wider picture of how God still has set Saul up as this king. And he says, I'm going to choose another way. And so I think the important part of this of this storm of circumstance that David is going for that we can reflect on is that when we are going through a storm that we can't necessarily make sense of or someone's coming at us, how do we take time to set ourselves in reference and refuge in God, directing ourselves toward God and our issues to God so that we can be grounded in God, so that God perhaps shape us according to God's own strength, give us courage and peace, and perhaps allow us to have a wider vision of what might be going on in our lives and the world around us. In all, David learns that God is this good and trustworthy presence and place for him to turn in the storm. And he wouldn't have made it through without God holding him and anchoring him in that storm. And this storm that he experiences early on helps him later when he enters into a storm of his own self-infliction. At some point, David does take over the kingdom. David becomes king, and he's this great warrior, and he's well-loved and well-liked, and things are going well in Israel. And pride comes before the fall, as they say, right? Because as Leonard Cohen says, <laughs> he saw her bathing on the roof. While his armies are out to war, David sees a woman on the roof, and at that time, he has all the power, and nobody can do anything against his will, so he says to his guards, bring her here to me. So she comes under his direction, and she can't do anything else about it, and he lays with her. And because they slept together, she bears a child but the problem is, she has a husband. And so now David is kind of wading deeper into this mess, into this storm of his own making. And so he's, what am I going to do? And so he calls her husband, that she was husband, husband, back from war, and he says to him, you should go and be with your wife. And he's thinking, this will cover it up, it'll be good. But this guy is so good, he's like, no, David, I'm going to sleep outside your door tonight to protect you because I shouldn't be doing that. And David's like, come on. Come on. 
And so David, frustrated, devises this other plan in which Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, is killed. The storm just continues to grow. The storm of his own making, the damage just piling up around him, right? And the guilt inside and that storm that comes gets bigger. And as this storm is swirling around, God sends this man, Nathan, kind of like Samuel anointed David. God sends this prophet, Nathan, and Nathan says, David, here's this thing. Um, I want to tell you a story. There's this rich man who has a ton of sheep and this really poor man who, who just has one sheep. And one day, this rich man with all the sheep gets greedy and, uh, like, want, just steals this one sheep of the poor man and has it slaughtered for a party. And David's like, that's not fair. That is not fair. Ugh. And Nathan's like, David, <laughs> that's you. You are the rich man who has done wrong in this situation. And this these acts that you've done is going to cause a lot of damage and a lot of acts. It already has and it will continue to sow seeds of division even within your family. And Nathan tells him a word from God and says, look, your actions is losing God's favor. And your actions is calling into jeopardy the favor of this nation and these people. And for the first time, David just sits with that knowledge as the storm is in effect around him. And he recognizes he needs to do something and he is at a low place. And so what does he do? It says, this, this whole story is in 2 Samuel, by the way. 2 Samuel, starting at verse 10. And I just want to read one, one little sentence. It says in 2 Samuel verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 20. It says that David, at that moment, threw off his clothes, washed himself, put on new clothes, and went to the temple of God and worshipped. It wasn't a rock out in the wilderness, but it was the temple. It was the place where he knew God was. And at his lowest place, he called out to God because he knew God was the only one who could help him through this. Have mercy on me, O God. This is Psalm 51. And if you need a psalm to pray when you're in a low spot, this is it. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. And according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my sin and cleanse me. And create in me a new heart. And put a new and right spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence or what you promised Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. And if you do that, I'll teach people your ways and I'll help sinners return to you like me, a sinner, has returned to you. Again, in this storm, in this low place, he calls upon God's movement and God's movement is this force that changes him for something good and something better. And I think the thing that I want to emphasize is that when we are in storms of our own infliction, there is loss and there is fear of how much damage we are going to create and if, are we going to make it through. But David's storm teaches us that God is somehow mysteriously present and moving all the while through people and circumstances like, like Nathan or maybe other ones to help 
humble us and show us ways that we've gotten off track and to call us to that place of refuge to lay ourselves bare like we did in our prayer confessions that we can find a way through through forgiveness to restoration to a new way of life and that change that can happen with God can open us up to be a more beautiful representation of what we always were meant to be as humans. There are storms of circumstance that just happen. And there are storms that we create. And there are fears and doubts that come with them, but God is this refuge for us, a strength and a help and a peace that can change us and form us in beautiful ways. I believe in that, and I believe that can happen for you in your life. And it changes, David. In Psalm 71, he prays with boldness at the end of his life, the prayer that we heard, in you, Lord, I take refuge, and let me never be put to shame. You are the one who has helped me from my youth. There are wicked people chasing me, but I know you and I trust you. He has this moment of refuge that he continues to recall that orients him in his life. And I think that we are supposed to be reflective as well upon our own lives. Reflective about the ways in which God has moved and God still is moving to help us whether in good seasons or in seasons where we're in a storm. And I think it helps to recall specifically these refuge moments. And God's a stronghold. And so I want to ask you, have you had a refuge moment? Is there a stronghold place that you can remember God was and God showed up and beyond what you could have done or you could have worked out or you could have imagined, God helped you and led you to a future more beautiful and better than you could have ever hoped? I think it's important to recall those moments in the storm. And as David said, to, to recount those moments and to recount God's goodness. And I think it's important to recount those for ourselves. Just to remember and continually remember in any season, but specifically in those storms, so that we can continue to tell us that God will make a way through. But secondly, it's for others for others who might need it, because you might not be going through a storm, but they might, and they might need some rock of hope to ground them amidst the storm that's swirling in their life. And maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a refuge moment, and you don't have one that you can point to where you're like, God was there and God showed up, and that's okay. And that's okay. Because sometimes I know in life that I've just hunkered down and wanted to sleep through the storm, if you know what I mean. But I offer you this, this practice of reflection, drawing to a close. It's practice of reflection. It's part of the Ignatius way of spirituality. And what you do is every night before you go to bed, you open yourself to God and you say, God, where were you today? Where were your fingerprints? Where were your movements? What ways was I walking in step with you? And you notice those things and you lift them up to God. And then you move 
to a next practice. And you say, God, where was it where I was resisting you or I was turning away from you? And you lift those up to God. You notice those moments and lift them up to God. And you thank God for all of it and you pray for tomorrow. It's a reflective practice that helps us to take note so that we're not just unconsciously moving through life. And it helps us so that in days of trouble, we have this library in our mind, this catalog of wonderful moments of God and God showing up. And I think most importantly, we need to be a reflective people and a people that shares these moments with God because we are called to be a rock and a refuge place for people in the storms. Just like Christ is a rock of our life and our salvation, we are called to be a people that continually encourages and the beautiful thing is, I've seen that as a spiritual gift in this congregation. In each one of you, in the way that you care for one another, day by day, week by week, year by year. And that's a gift that you have given me and shown to me. And I pray that we can continue to develop as a congregation to care for each other and point each other to the hope that we have in God, who is our refuge and our strength, our help and our peace. Let's pray. Lord, our God, thank you for all the ways that you show up in seasons where it's good and in the storms of life. And we pray that you're always moving and bringing us consciously to see the ways that you move. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our song is